Guys, we need to live for eternity. Fear causes us to live for the short term. If you think the world is going to end, you know, if, you're, if, you're, if you think that your world is going to end, and you all do, you all know that you're going to die. Some of you guys don't think about it that much. Maybe some of you guys think about it a lot. Maybe some of you guys right now are in the point where you're like, I'm young, I'm decently good looking, I've got a good amount of friends, like this is as good as it's going to get. So I've got to live right now, even though I'm a church kid, like I've got to have this secret other double life where I'm doing all the things that I want to do because I may not get this chance again. And if I miss this chance, I don't want to be old and boring like my relatives and I don't want to be miserable like them, like I just want to live for myself now. If you think your world is going to end, you're going to live for yourself. But if you realize that your world is just beginning, it's going to change things. This is the start of something. Like, seriously, I'm 27 now. I know that's not that old. But, like, every birthday, I'm like, oh, my gosh, one more step closer to the grave. Like, that's, that's how I think. Like, it's depressing. I don't like getting uh, older. I wish that I was younger. And it can be depressing at times. But what I realize more and more is that my life is not ending. My life is just beginning. God is opening up something even better than before. And it's kind of like just, I mean, think of it this way. Imagine you're living in a trash can, okay? It's like Oscar the Grouch, you know? People come over, you're like, hey, scram, get away from my trash can pretty good right (laughs) I like asked for you to like approve of my Oscar voice so anyway you're living in a trash can okay and then the king comes to you and says in 10 days you're going to move into that mansion and you get to bring anybody you want with you all you have to do is tell them about me imagine if you spent those 10 days bedazzling your trash can. Just like, you know, going to the mall, buying those like stick-on jewels and just like blinging out your trash can, getting gold chains, a pair of Jordans that you tie and just hang from it, a flat screen TV in your trash can. Some of you guys are like, this sounds awesome. I'm moving out of my parents' house right now into this sweet, how big is this trash can, you say? That's our mentality a lot of times. It's just, I've got to make my trash can great. Guys, Our life on earth is so short. Think about it. God made this earth in six days. He's been working on heaven for thousands of years. How much better is it going to be? It's going to be amazing. Like, God calls us to not live in the trash can, but to live for the mansion, for the castle, while we're on this earth. We need to get out of that trash can and go tell people about the king who takes them to the mansion. If we spend all our time in the trash can, it's worthless. We have a built-in unsatisfaction. It's built in. You guys ever been to the zoo and like been bummed out for the animals? Raise your hand if you have. Anybody? Okay, you have a heart. Good. I'm glad. The rest of you guys are terrible monsters. Um, If you go to a zoo, those animals aren't happy. They're chained up and people stare at them. They were born to be free. Guys, we were born for something greater. If you guys please come on, pay attention, okay? You got this. I know you can make it through, okay? I know I'm not Ben. I could try. 
Hey, stud, how's it going? Love your face. I would never do that to his face because that'd be awkward. But uh, me and Trevor try to do who does the best Ben Corson impersonations, and I don't know. We'll have a Ben off one day. <laughs> I don't know. What was I saying? Zoo animals. Okay, stay with me. A zoo animal is not happy. Like, it's meant for something more. It's in this cage. It's got something greater that it's supposed to be doing. It's supposed to be running, frolicking through the fields. The birds aren't supposed to be in this, like, what the? Did I just, like, summon a meteor? Like, I don't know. They're meant to be free. We're born for another world, guys. We're born for another world. And I really think that God is calling right now, some of you guys, even those of you guys who aren't paying attention, God is calling you guys to wake up and realize that he is calling you to something greater. And that makes obedience so much easier. Like, for instance, sex. A bunch of you guys just looked at me. <laughs> you were talking to your friends as soon as I said, wait, what? Just talking about my favorite thing? Well, I'm going to take notes. Can I borrow your journal? Do you have a pen? Anyway. Seriously, though. Seriously. Seriously. When you think about sex, like I do all the time, it's dinner. <laughs> Don't. And <laughs> eh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> Here's the thing, though. Short-term thinking, okay? Short-term thinking when it comes to sex says this in our mind. And I think this will resonate with some of you guys. We think, my parents say it's bad. I shouldn't do it. Isn't that how they got me? But it's bad, so I shouldn't do it. But my friends say that it's awesome. And I really have a desire to pursue it. My parents say it's bad. My friends say it's really, really, really good. It's kind of confusing. It's kind of all over the place. So, so long or short-term thinking says, I'll only live once, and I want it now, and I might miss my chance. And so I'm just going to go for it right now because we're living for the trash can. We're living for the cage. And then we face suffering. And so many people that I know, so many young people, have faced suffering in their life, not because sex is bad, but because they engaged in it outside of what God had for them. And if you're here today and that's you, you need to know that God loves you so much. And mistakes that we've all made are in the past. And God cares about your future. That's why I want to talk about the long term. If we're living for the kingdom, then when it comes to sex, and we can apply this to anything, you know, anything that we want. But right now, let's just talk about sex. If we think in the long term, we think, Jesus is my father. He is my king. If Jesus is king, that changes everything. When I look at God's word, when I look at Jesus' word, it says sex is awesome. Like, it's, it's incredible. It's something God made. It's a good thing. And until God provides it with, for me, until God brings me somebody where I can be married and I can be with them and I can enjoy the most amazing relationship that God has ever made for me, until then, God is all I need. And he wants to give me a little slice of heaven on earth. Really, a, a marriage relationship, take it from me, in every aspect. 
a marriage relationship is a little slice of heaven on earth. And I don't just say that facetiously. I mean, God has provided me with an example of what heaven looks like through my wife, Brooklyn. And she's so amazing. She's so heavenly. Just looking at her, she's, she's absolutely radiant. It's seriously, though. The Bible says that God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are in constant communion with one another. They are connected. They love one another. They talk with one another. They're connected emotionally and physically. and just in, they're, they're connected spiritually. They're, they're one. And when you're married with somebody, seriously, I just want to encourage you guys, don't sell yourself short. Like, no matter what you've done in the past, you have an opportunity to go from this camp and not get tangled up in relationships that only bring hell into your life when you can wait for God to provide you with your own little slice of what heaven looks like through him. And we think, when you think long-term, you think disobeying my father, disobeying the king, that hurts him. I know what I want, but when I disobey, it hurts Jesus, who hung on the cross for me. It's so hard, though, to wait for the things that we want. Fill in the blank, whatever it is. It's so hard, but you need to know that Jesus will give you everything that you need. And guys, I'm still learning this in areas of my life. There's so many things in my life where it's just, I want it now, I just, I want this, I want this, I want this, and God says, go to me. Instead of spending all your time pursuing those things, just chasing the wind, go to me and let me supply you with what you need. God calls us to build his kingdom. That's what we live for, to build his kingdom. I really want you guys to get it. I'm really passionate about it. God wants you to be a part of kingdom building. And it's hard for us because we are the selfie generation. Like, <laughs> I watched a video of a guy who was taking a selfie, and um, I don't know why his friend was filming him, but he was taking a selfie, and um, a train came by, and a guy stuck his hand out the window and just slapped the guy in the head. <laughs> So you guys are like, that's horrible. <laughs> it is. <laughs> it's really funny. No one laughed. Everyone's just like, that could happen to me. <laughs> I'm not going to stand by trains anymore. But we're really, we're, we are the selfish generation. And guys, I'm right there with you. When I wake up in the morning, I am hungry. I am thirsty. I'm thinking, how can I have a good day today? How can I bless myself today? And then after, I think, how can I make my wife's life better today? But I usually think of myself first because I'm selfish and I'm a human being. But God calls us to live for him. Matthew 20, 26, Jesus goes to his disciples and he says, hey, you guys, hey, hey, you want to be great? Do you guys know what he said? Whoever wants to be great must be, anybody know? Whoever wants to be great must be what? A servant. So if you want to be great, think about it. I mean, who are examples of greatness? James Rizzi. James I think of um, Justin Bieber. Yeah, comeback kid, you know? He's a cool guy. You know, he's friends with Justin Timberlake. He's... On all the cool shows, his music are always top of the charts. He dresses really stylishly. He's a, he's a cool guy. 
Absolutely. And so if we look at him and his model, you know, if we just look at him from the outside, we think, man, to be great, I've got to be talented. I've got to have a lot of swag. I've got to have the perfect haircut. I've got to look good all the time. I've got to be fit. I've got to be cool. I've got to have the right shoes, the right clothes. I've got to have good social media presence. I've got to get a lot of followers. I have to do things that make people look at me and say, he has value. He's valuable because he does this. I'll listen to him because he does this. I'll look at him. I'll look at her because they do this. And so we strive for that. And some of you guys know that you're not going to be famous or millions of people are looking at you. Some of you guys are like, don't step on my dream. Sorry. You probably won't be. Um, but even there's a strive to like be famous in our circle of friends. You know, we've got 40 people here. Maybe you're here today and you're like, my goal is to be the coolest guy here. To be the most accepted guy here. I'm going to sit and talk during the message and everyone's going to laugh and it's going to be awesome. So cool, right? Yeah, he gets it. This guy gets it. Um, We can think that. But what Jesus says is whoever wants to be great has to be the servant of all. That's the guy who stays up afterward and cleans up when nobody asks him to. That's the guy who finds the person who's hurting and prays even when he wants to hang out with his group of friends. That's the guy who finds the one who needs love and brings it to them. what Jesus did when he washed the feet of the disciples. And he's Jesus. He's the master. So he could have easily just been like, hey, you guys, wash my feet, my stinky feet, walking around Israel with just nasty cow filth and donkey do in between my toes. Make sure you get in between them. Jesus could have said that. But instead, he was the one who takes off his robe, wraps it around himself, and wipes the nasty feet of his disciples. He didn't ask them to. He did it himself. It's the Upside Down Kingdom. That's the name of this camp. The Upside Down Kingdom. And it's not just like hanging upside down or whatever. It's not about, it's not about just being upside down in like the simple way. It's, it's where everything we think, everything we know is flipped. Like our whole reality, everything that we live for is flipped. And think about it. If you read Matthew 6 tonight, if you do what I say and you read Matthew 6, you'll see that Jesus says, if you want to be great in the kingdom, blessed are the poor in spirit because the kingdom belongs to them. That means the people who aren't prideful, the people who aren't full of themselves, the people who realize they're nothing without Jesus. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. We think of people who inherit the earth as the rich and famous. Jesus says, the people who have power but have it under control and realize their power comes from Christ, they will inherit. Jesus says, if you're hungry for Jesus, if you're hungry for God and his word, if you're hungry for the Holy Spirit, you will be filled. People in the rest of the world will feel empty, but you will have something they don't. He says, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure, blessed are the peacemakers. I used to think of a peacemaker as somebody who, you know, you got two guys fighting and you run in between, you're like, stop, stop, and you like talk to them and you make peace. That's true, um, but it's awesome. If you, if you look at the Hebrew word for peace, it's a word that we, I say funny, you know, when I, you know, wear my Jewish fiddler on the roof cap and go up to my friend and say, hey, shalom, you know, shalom, you, everyone say it with me, Shalom. Okay, 
So shalom, shalom means peace. God says, blessed are the peacemakers, the shalom makers. Guys, listen, listen. You got to catch this. You got to catch this. Please pay attention, okay? God is calling you to bring shalom to a world that is full of chaos. How do you do that? Let me give you some really practical examples of how you can build God's kingdom. You come home from school. You're tired. You want to watch TV. You want to play Xbox. You want to get on your phone. You notice that your mom is stressed out. There's dishes piled up in the sink. Without even telling her what you're doing, you go and you do those dishes and you don't ask for a thank you, which is the hardest part. When I clean, I want people to notice, you know? When I clean the house, um, you know, which is rare because my wife is really the one who is constantly cleaning, but on the rare occasion where, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm gonna be a good husband. My wife's out at the grocery store. I'm gonna help her clean. Um, It's usually like, she'll come home and I'm like, hey, did you notice I cleaned? Like, I mean, look at what I did. And I I wanna be praised, you know? That's, That's in us. But you doing those dishes, that is bringing shalom. It's bringing peace to the chaos in your mom's life. That is Christ-like, and that's building the kingdom. It seems so simple. You are at your house, and your little brother or your little sister is having a hard time with their homework, and you go in to help them, even though it inconveniences you, even though there's a million things you'd rather be doing, or maybe your brother or sister is just plain dumb, and you know it's gonna take hours for you to help them, which can happen. You helping them, that is bringing peace into their life. There's so many ways that we can do it. There's so many people in your school who do not have peace. There's so many times that people in your family do not have peace. Just look around and ask God, how can I be a peacemaker? That doesn't mean always stopping conflict between people fighting. That is doing it. But God is calling you to ask yourself every day, how can I bring peace? How can I build God's kingdom? Blessed are the peacemakers. And God says, blessed are the persecuted, for theirs is the kingdom of God. Guys, listen, please. We cannot take our place in history for granted. Do you guys get what I mean by that? Does anybody, raise your hand if you get what I mean by that. We can't take our place in history for granted. Okay, a few people, I'll explain it for the rest of you. We are in a place of history where we are Christians who go to multiple church services We're not afraid of people attacking us. We've got eight Bibles on our shelf that we rarely even read. We've got five Bible apps on our phone that we hardly ever open, and nobody is trying to kill us for it. We've got Jesus stickers on the back of our car. We've got Jesus t-shirts. We've got Jesus music. We've got so much Christianity in our lives, and we are completely free to do it. And meanwhile, there are people in China who have to have underground church services to hide from the government. There's people in Syria and Hungary and other countries who are being hunted down by Muslims and getting their head chopped off. There's people in France who are getting blown up because they believe in Jesus. Guys, we are in a point in history where there... I'm just... I have to say, I don't ever preach anything that I don't need to hear, just so you guys know. 
I'm not up here saying, this is what you got to do. I'm saying, this is what we have to do. It is so easy for me as a Christian to just go through my week and just, you know, read my devotions once a week and swipe through the Instagram and go, oh, that's spiritual. That's great. And just live for myself. And just when people are dying in the world, just be super comfortable in my comfy, cozy Christianity where nothing's happening to me. Guys, we are the people who should be witnessing more than anybody. We are the people who should be laying our lives down more like than anybody. Guys, you are the future of the church. And I don't want you to grow up to be the kind of people who say, I'm going to live for myself and I'm going to bring Jesus along for the ride. I'm praying every day that you will be the future. No one is attacking us. We have no real threat. The biggest threat we have is that we go out and we tell people about Jesus and they think we're awkward and they leave. To us, that's almost as bad as getting our head chopped off for some of us. Guys, I love you so much. I really do. I really love you. I'm really, really, really asking you to ask the Lord, how can I not take this opportunity I have to be a light in the world for granted? It's more than walking around and saying Merry Christmas or yelling Jesus loves you at people. It's showing them with our actions that speak louder than our words. And it's using the words God gave us. Not just Jesus loves you, but going to somebody who is scary or lost or alone or frightening or even dangerous to us and sitting down and saying, you need to know that Jesus loves you. Not going up to them and saying, hey, I noticed that you're sinning. Let me tell you the 10 ways that you're sinning and how you're a horrible, horrible person. You need to get Jesus so you can be a good person like me. That is not what we do. We need to go to people and say, hey, listen, I was dying without Jesus. Yes, me, little Christian kid who grew up a pastor's kid. I was dying without Christ and I need him in my life and this is what he's done for me and this is what he could do for you if you would open up your heart to him. You need to build the kingdom. What's your view of Jesus? Is he your helper? Is he your friend? Is he your teacher? Or is he Lord? We pray, Lord, 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 please help me today. I'm having a bad day, Lord. Lord, please, um, please just help me get all the good grades. And Lord, I really want a PS4, Lord. Just Lord, Lord. That's, yeah, Jesus helps us, absolutely. But sometimes we just treat God like our genie. Is he Lord? Is he master? Can you imagine if you had a teacher and you go to school and your teacher's like giving you homework, things to do, and you're like, I'm not really sure if you're my teacher, so I don't know if I'm going to do this homework. I don't know. I mean, you might not be my teacher. I'm kind of on the fence about it. Some of you guys are like, yeah, that's exactly what I do. Imagine you did that to your parent. I'm not sure if you're my mom, really, so I don't know if I'm going to take out the trash or, you know. That's how we sometimes treat the Lord. That's how I treat the Lord. See, I say it, I say it, the Lord. Lord means master. It's not like a, like, hello, my Lord. It's not like a little phrase. It means you are my master. I do what you say. He's the good, good father. Yes, that's who he is. And we're loved by him. That's who we are. But he's also the king of heaven and the king of earth. And he's adopted us into his family to be a part of his kingdom. Guys, listen, I really want you to get this. In every heart, 
Please pay attention. In every heart, there is a cross and there is a throne. Jesus will never be on that throne unless your flesh is on that cross. Think about it. Jesus calls us to die to ourselves. The cross and the throne are in every heart. Unless we allow Jesus to put our flesh, our self, our wicked selfishness on the cross, then he will not be on that throne. And he invites you to put him on that throne. See, the thing about Jesus is he doesn't force you. He doesn't come into your life and say, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to change this, and I'm going to make you do this. He gives you the choice. And he says, will you follow me? Will you, not just like me, not just sit in church and go, oh, I like that. Not just go on Instagram, oh, that was spiritual. Not just look only to Jesus whenever you're going through a hard time and you need some encouragement, but looking at Jesus no matter what and saying, I follow you. Do you like Jesus or do you love him? I really feel like for some of you guys in this room, this question needs to be asked. And I don't even know who those people are, but the Holy Spirit's telling me to ask this question. Do you like Jesus or do you love him? Do you like what Jesus does for you? Get out of jail free card. I don't have to go to hell. Like I'll have blessings in my life. Sweet. Whenever I'm feeling down, like I'll just open a Bible and I'll read something encouraging. That's awesome. Do you like what Jesus does for you or do you love him? Peter was asked by Jesus. Peter was one of Jesus' best friends and Jesus asked him, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, then Keep my commandments. Do what I tell you to. And then he asks again, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. That's not just a pastoral thing. That's for Christians. Guys, there are people all around you who need Jesus. They're hungry. And you've got a bag full of Jesus. You've got a bag full of the Holy Spirit. People are hungry for it. And so often I walk around with that bag and I don't give it to the people who need it. I keep it for myself. God has called us to give love away. Who's ever heard of the Jesus People Movement? Anybody? Thanks for sticking with me. I know you guys are tired. It's okay. I love you anyway. Um, But we're almost done. Okay, we're wrapping this up. Who's ever heard of the Jesus People Movement? Anybody? Okay, interesting. Not a lot of you. So we're Calvary Chapel guys, you know, that's our history. Many of you guys don't know the history of Calvary Chapel. I've got about three hours of that. No, I'm just kidding. That would be terrible. Basically, Calvary Chapel started when a guy named Chuck Smith decided to follow Jesus. He was a guy, old guy, bald, wore a suit, went to a church where everyone's old, everyone's super religious, everyone wears suits, everyone wears dresses to church. But Chuck saw that there was hippies out there. Like long hair, big beards, like wearing flowers in their hair, barefoot, no deodorant, just smelly people living out in the dirt together. And Chuck Smith said, these guys need Jesus. I'm going to start a church for them. And he starts this church and he opens up the doors and he says, hey, you don't have to wear a suit. You don't have to put on shoes. You don't even have to bathe. Just come in and receive Jesus. And it started this thing called the Jesus People Movement, where there was a bunch of people 
who were like, we are all about Jesus. These hippies, they were crazy, they were wild, they were young, they were musical, they were just radical. And they turned away from their drugs and their free love and free sex mentality and they changed to, we follow Jesus, we are Jesus people. I think that's what we need today. And I don't mean we all need to start being hippies and stop bathing. Here's what I mean though. Guys, we need to be Jesus people. Not church kids. Jesus people. In the children of Israel, like, you know, you've got Moses and you've got, you know, you guys know the story, right? They were in Egypt, right? Right? Egypt? You guys know the pyramids and all that stuff. They're slaves. Moses comes. God delivers them. And then they wander in the wilderness for how many years? 40 years. So you've got the first generation of people. They're young. They're having their first kids. They were slaves, but now they're free. And they know who God is. They've seen God part the Red Sea. They've seen a pillar of fire and a pillar of smoke. They've seen God do amazing things. But then they have kids. And the kids remind me a lot of you and a lot of me. Because the kids are born, not as they're escaping from Egypt and seeing God do all these great things. They're born in the wilderness, where it's a lot of walking. And I'm sure that a lot of the kids are like, Mom, Dad, why are we out in the desert? Like, why are we here? Why are we doing this? Like, I don't understand. Like, who is God? Like, what? I don't even get it. When you're born into a Christian family, some of you guys may not even know how your parents got saved. It's just always happened. You don't know the history. It's just like, we're Christians. I was born that way. I came out. I got spanked. I was like, hallelujah. I'm a Christian. You know? That's, that's what happened. Guys, I am passionate, passionate about you discovering Jesus for yourself. It's not your parents' faith that they're dragging you along with. If it is, then get out now. Because that's not the way to live. And you'll do more harm to the kingdom of God than good. Jesus says, if you are lukewarm, I'm going to vomit you out of my mouth. I'd rather you either be freezing cold, not even with me, or on fire. One or the other. That's what Jesus says in the book of Revelation. It's hard. It's like, whoa, Jesus, lay off. That's what he says. And listen, that doesn't mean you're perfect. Please don't, don't think I'm like, hey, listen, you guys got to stop all your sin, be perfect, and completely just be like Jesus all the time. It's not about being perfect. It's about where is your heart. It's about the heart posture. It's not about you saying, oh, my gosh, I'm not perfect, so I can't follow Jesus. It's you saying, I'm imperfect, I'm a sinner, and I need Jesus, and I can't do it without him. I can't be happy without him. I can't be fulfilled without him. I can't do anything of my own strength. I need the Lord. And you've got to discover that for yourself. And ever since you guys were in sixth grade, that's what I've been trying to tell you. But I know it all starts to blur together after many, many years. I was a church kid. I grew up in church. I heard a million messages. Please, if you hear anything, here tonight, God is calling you to a faith of your own, a love, romantic, amazing relationship with your creator who loves you and who died for you and who would die for you a million times again if that is what he would take. I truly believe that if he needed to, he would die on the cross a million times if that is what it took. He's so in love with you. 
Let's be Jesus people again, guys. Let's say, I'm a follower of Jesus. Let's stop being asleep in the light. It's what the church is a lot of times. The world is sleeping in the dark, and the church just can't find it because it's asleep in the light. Jesus is not looking to be a part of your life. He's looking to be your life. How do we treat Jesus? Do we say, God's word is just a suggestion? It's just good advice? Do we think, I can sin. I know God will forgive me. I would be a hypocrite if I told you I haven't done that. Sinned, and in the back of my mind said, it's fine, God's gonna forgive me for this anyway. And when we're in that place, we're in danger. Danger, guys. Danger of losing sight of who we are in Christ. And all we have is just this get out of hell free card and we have a saved soul, but a wasted life. We think a lot of times that the world revolves around us and God is here to help our story. But our life is not about pursuing our story. It's about pursuing God's glory. And a lot of times um, we can be like, you know, there was these criminals back in the day who um, they died. And scientists wanted to see the effects of electricity on corpses. So they picked criminals, right? You know, these guys are criminals. You know, they've done horrible things. Let's use them. So they take their bodies, they hook them up to electrical circuits, they pull the switch, and the bodies would start to flop around and move around as if they were still alive, but they were, yeah, it's horrible, but they, but they were, but listen, listen, they were dead inside, and a lot of times at church, we show these outward sides of being alive. We can raise our hands and sing and, and try to listen and try to pay attention, but unless Christ is in you will be dead. Some of us, we've accepted Jesus in our life, but we still choose to live as a dead person. And we have these outward signs that happen sometimes, but it's really, there's deadness in our heart. Listen, if that's you tonight, like you can be a pastor's kid like me. You can be a kid who got Christian Character Award at Calvary 10 times, right? You can be that kid and you can still be dead in your heart to the Lord. Last year at camp, the theme was awake, O sleeper. And I'd say it again. I love you guys. Wake up to who Jesus is and what he has for you. The upside down kingdom, it's all about living for God's story. It's the difference between, when we live for ourselves, you guys know those books where it's like a sea spot run? You guys remember that? No? It's like, it's like a really simple book. It's just like you open it up. It's like a dog. It's like, see spot, page one, turn the page. See spot, run. Page two, page three. See spot, get the ball. Like it's just, it's really, really simple, okay? When we live life for ourselves, we are so predictable. It's just, see dude, see dude, run after his flesh. See dude, get his flesh, enjoy it for a second, and then die at the end. Like, that is the story. 
But when we choose to live for the Lord, we choose to live for his story. And that story has been going on since the beginning of time. It is an epic story about how God had a family and loved that family and lost that family and risked everything to get that family back. And now we are a part of that family and we're on mission to go and bring more people into that family so that one day God's kingdom, which is here, which is with us, will expand and take over the world. And then one day we will live in the perfect kingdom and there'll be no more death and no more crying and no more destruction and we will be a part of it. It is the greatest story you can be a part of and I don't want to see you guys be like so many Christians I know who think that Christianity is just, I gotta be good, gotta be good. It's just, here's the list of things I can't do. I gotta not do those things and I guess here's the list of things I should be doing and I guess one day when I die, I go to a cloud city and sit on a cloud, hooray, it's better than hell. You know, hell's burning, and then the other one's clouds, so I guess I'll pick the clouds. That's how some people view it. God has so much more for you. There's a lot. Is anyone excited about the new Star Wars movie? Anybody? Yes, so good. So if you think about it, Star Wars started the ball on all that, like, Hunger Games Divergent, Like all that stuff started with Star Wars because it was about an evil empire that was trying to take over the world and a small group of rebels. They were literally called the Rebel Alliance. And you look at Katniss and she's part of the Rebel Alliance. You look at, I forgot everyone's name in Maze Runner. I don't remember any of those dudes' names. Did you say PETA? He wasn't in Maze Runner. <laughs> Gotta run and make some cakes. Um, Thomas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's the other one? Divergent, Maze Runner... Uh, oh, yeah, Divergent. Yeah, all these ones. Okay. <laughs> yeah, all right, Divergent. Okay. So those, those are all about rebels fighting for something they believe in. There's a lot of talk about being rebellious, being rebels. Seriously, like, being a rebel is extremely attractive. I remember watching, you guys think I'm so lame. If, if you're with me, though, on this, maybe give me, give me a little uh, acknowledgement that you're with me. But Happy Days, right? Fonzie? No? You guys are like, what are you talking about? Okay, I'm not going to explain it. Moving on. You have no idea. Get TV Land. It's such a good channel. Okay. I'll give you another example. Miley Cyrus. It, yeah, ugh, right? Um, to a lot of people, though, she's pretty stinking cool. You know, and you see even people mimicking her, you know, in photos. They're like making the faces that she makes and um, trying to do the things that she does. And, you know, she's very successful. She's very popular. And she's known as a rebel because she's like, I am going to go against everything that people find traditional and respectful. I'm just going to be as outrageous as possible. And I'm going to rebel. That's how a lot of us, we would never maybe admit it, except maybe our closest friends. But for a lot of us, we're attracted to that. Not attracted to Miley Cyrus per se, but attracted to rebelliousness. Like, I don't want to just be this perfect little, like, Christian girl like my parents want me to be. Like, I want to show people that I am more. I don't want to just be, like, the, you know, super lame, like, Christian conservative dude who just, you know, I want to, like, be, I want to be a bad guy. I remember when I was in school, like, girls didn't want to date the dorky, like, super Christian guys like me. They wanted the bad boys. Yeah, right? Some of you girls are like, yes, like, Lord, send me a bad boy, and I will convert him. But I want to experience the badness first. Like, that's, that's how some people view it, okay? 
We need to be the right kind of rebels. Because really think about it. Think about it. Think about it. Think about it with me. Think about it. All of that stuff that seems super rebellious is actually super predictable. That's why every 10 years we get another Miley Cyrus. That's why it was Madonna, or that's why it was first Madonna, then it was Britney Spears, then it was Miley Cyrus, and before that, there was people before that. It's a chain. It's predictable. The world, listen, listen, listen. The enemy has a template for rebelliousness. He knows everybody who rebels against God will be destroyed. Why do you think he's so bent on making people rebel? He wants to see people in hell. And so, literally, when I see people rebellious, they think they're being unique, they think they're being out of the box, but really they just look cookie cutter like all the rebels that came before them. Like, it's nothing new. We've seen it a million times. And we do it because we wanna fit in, and we wanna be cool, and we wanna be somebody. But if we really want to be rebels, we need to realize that the enemy owns us if we give in to him. We need to realize That living for ourselves is living for Satan. We need to realize that there are people all around us who think they're enjoying their life, but really on the inside, they have a giant hole in their heart that gets torn open even wider every day because of their sin, and only Jesus can mend it. If we want to actually be rebels, let's rebel against Satan and his plan to destroy this world. Let's rebel against the enemy trying to ruin our lives. And he looks at people who aren't Christians and says, I am going to get in between them and Jesus and I'm going to make sure they go to hell with me. And he looks at Christians and he says, I'm going to bring as much hell to their life on earth as I can. Even though I know they're not going to go to hell when they die, I'm going to bring hell to their life in earth. I'm going to call uh, Scott and Amanda back up here. Is he, where'd he go? He's here. Oh, hey. That was amazing. That was really, that was really great. Guys. I've got some more, I've got some more stuff here, but it's getting late. I've talked a lot. Some of you are like, yeah, I know. I've only got one shot this camp, Okay. I want to make it count. So listen, we're going to enter into some worship. And what I really want you guys to do, I've, you may not realize this, but I can see you. <laughs> so this entire time, I've noticed you all constantly talking to your friends, distracting one another. It's okay. I still love you. Seriously, I adore you guys. You guys are precious in my sight. Um... And I trust, I have enough faith in the Holy Spirit that even though some of you guys have been a little crazy, he's spoken to you tonight. I know he has. So during this time, I want to encourage you. Make this between you and the Lord. We're going to turn down the lights. We're just going to ask you to enter in to worship. Ask the Lord, how can I get back to you? Maybe you feel far away from him right now. Maybe you feel alone. Maybe you feel like you've been going through one of the most difficult times in your life. You need to know that God loves you. Fear will hold you back. 
Fear is going to hold you back from truly walking with Jesus and living for his kingdom. But guys, when you realize how big God is, when you really realize how big God is, it's impossible to fully comprehend how small Satan really is. The bigger God gets in your life, the smaller the enemy does. I was reading a story. It's really sad about a pastor. And while he was at the gym one morning, a man came into his house and shot his wife in the face and killed her and his unborn child. And I thought about that and I just, I was like, man, I can't imagine if that happened to me if someone came into my house while I was gone and killed Brooklyn, like my whole world would feel shattered. But it's so encouraging to listen to this pastor because what he says is, he's like, I'm not giving up because I live for God's kingdom. And he, he said, he opened up his wife's journal and he was reading just her journal entries from a few days before she was murdered. And what the journal said was, I don't know what's gonna happen in the future, but I do know one thing. I know that Jesus loves me and that I live for him. My life is not my own. My life belongs to the king and I live for his kingdom. And this husband, it's just like, I'm not gonna give up. I'm gonna live for that kingdom too. That's what my life, that's what my wife lived for. That's what I'm gonna keep living for. That's what it's all about. Jesus says, blessed is the one who loses their life because when you lose your life, you gain Christ. I wanna challenge you guys as we worship how can we lose ourselves? Ask yourself, what do I need to lose? What baggage is holding me down? What sins are keeping me from the Father? What fears are crippling me from what Jesus has for me? What bitterness in my heart is poisoning? Am I being a follower of Jesus or am I just being a fan? You need to know he loves you. Maybe you're here in this room and you feel like the worst sinner in the world right now. And you're like, how did I even get up to this camp? Listen, God loves you so desperately, so wonderfully. And he's calling you to not a narrow life full of restrictions and regulations, but a door that opens up to a world wider than you've ever experienced. And you could be someone who's not even saved and hear that. And you can be someone who's been a Christian their whole life and done all the right things, but you still need to hear that. I still need to hear that. Love you guys. Let me pray for you. Lord, as we enter into this worship, I just ask that we lay it all out on the floor. Lord, as we stand or as we kneel, as we raise our hands, as we sit quietly and and ponder how awesome you are, God, this moment is dedicated to you. And God, I pray that you would overcome my inability to speak and that your Holy Spirit would just sink the words that have been shared tonight into the hearts deep. That you would show each one of these students what your heart for them is, what your desire is, what your love for them is. That you would bless them and that you would show them how they can live for your kingdom. Because Jesus, if you are king, that changes everything. Help us to remember. And God, I pray we would change. 
because change isn't bad. It's a result of being with Jesus. And we want to be with you right now. Be with us. We ask, we plead. Jesus, be with us.